So I'm a little bit of an Apple fanboy now in that I actually watched some Apple news. So am I right in thinking that 17 minutes ago-ish, because of time zone, the new update for iPadOS dropped? Um, I upgraded everything last night. <gasps> oh, Apple fanboy, I ain't. Well, the um, I had an iPad on the beaters or the betas. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd been sort of watching the progression of, of the bugs, etc. And it was pretty stable, he said, with his hand touching wooden things <clears throat> and throwing salt over his shoulder. Um, and so last night, having sort of caught up with the, the tweet storm that follows these things, mm -hmm. um, I updated my phone, which is, I suppose, when, when it starts getting a bit risky for me, I can live without the iPads. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the real test, the real measure of whether you're committed or not. Yeah, and uh, uh, Touchwood all seems okay. So, did you did you watch the the Apple thing? Or Bits of it. I <clears throat> I did this weird thing where I watched someone else watching the live stream. Um, because when I googled it, when I when I looked it up on YouTube, the first result was Unbox Therapy, which is a YouTube channel where he unboxes things surprisingly, mm -hmm. and it was him live streaming the live stream. So it was him sort of commenting over stuff. Okay. Uh, and just because it was the first one on, I kind of meant to just check if it was on because I, I knew it was happening today. or Well, today was yesterday. I knew it was happening that day, but I didn't know when. Uh, time zones, all that stuff. So I was like, I'll just put this on and see if it's on now or they're waiting for it or it's already happened. And I put it on it was sort of three quarters of the way through and I went, oh, okay. And then watched it. But it's like a weird, you're watching someone else watch it. So it's mm -hmm. like two levels of abstraction away. Uh, and I watched that and that was the last bit. So it was after all the iPad stuff. It was basically just the bit of, no, sorry, it was the iPad stuff. It was after all the watch stuff. It was just a bit about the the new iPad Air. And then okay. that was basically the tail end of it. And watched that and went, oh, okay, I'll need to update my iPad tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And then when I looked it up, it said 6 p.m. Pacific time, which is 6 p.m. Um, here time. I went, okay, good. I'll, I'll do it after six then. Because I remember updating the iPad before. It didn't do it on the morning. So it wouldn't be my morning time because that would be, I guess, still nighttime it, it, time zones. So yeah, either it's sitting waiting for me. I'm recording on the iPad, so I can't do anything just yet or else this recording goes to pop. But um, after this, I'll have a wee, wee look and see what I can do. Exciting. Well, um, I suppose the bad news is that it's not as exciting on the iPad as it is on the iPhone. Yeah. So there are some sort of inexplicable, well, not inexplicable, I'm sure they're very explicable if you understand them, but that's just I don't. Very applicable. Um, yeah. So you've got uh, all these sort of funky widget things going on, and you can get very creative with where you put your widgets and your, and your phone. And you can, uh, I've now got screens that are part widget and part app. It's very exciting. Oh. But you can't do that on iPad. Wow, so you need the phone now. Why, why, am I not, why have I not bought an iPhone? Who stopped me buying an iPhone? I, well, I mean, I, <laughs> watch, watching the whole thing on uh, Twitter was quite interesting because um, there's, there's two sorts of followers on Twitter. There, there are those like me who really don't know what they're doing, but they listen to people that do. And so I was kind of aware. All of the, all of the announcements had been sort of pre-trailed by the rumor yeah. guys. And so I was not really surprised by anything and then there's another school of people a lot of whom uh, have english as a second or indeed third language 
Um, and I speak enough of a few languages to know when people are swearing uncontrollably in Twitter. And <laughs> these, these people seem very, very upset um, with phrases. I'll, uh, I'll try and censor and translate. Where the flip are the iPhones seem to be the general sort of <laughs> tone of this thing. Um, even though everybody had been sort of trailing that there were going to be no I, iPhone announcements. I think Apple in their earnings call even said that iPhones were going to be delayed. Uh, that didn't stop people getting very upset. Um, hmm. So do you, f do you find yourself moved to um, do that, that most unusual of things and open the Cosgrove wallet? Well, um, it was one of those strange scenarios where I think previous uh, Apple marketing guff, for, you know, for uh, want of a better term, has always been received with a certain amount of like, yeah, okay, sort of like, I'm not 100% on board with this hype train. It's their, their products are great. I think they're really good. I have issues with them, like many technology products I have issues with. Um, I don't think they are perfect, but I just think they are good. Uh, but it was this weird sense of like watching their their video, which is very marketing heavy and is very well produced, very well considered. You can't help but slip into that. Ooh, it's shiny. Ooh, I like that. Oh, that's cool. And I find myself being like, Apple Watch. Mm. I'm like, I don't need an Apple Watch. I have many nice watches. I have a Fitbit. I have other ways of tracking health. I don't need it. But I was like, ooh. And then I have an iPad Air, not nine. I have an iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch, the, the, the 2018 model. So uses the new pencil, but it's not the most recent one with the LiDAR. And mm -hmm. it's not the, the new, new, new one, whatever is coming out. So it's, it's pretty, pretty good. And I was going, oh, iPad Air. I was like, literally, this is worse than what I have. Why do I want this? Um, because but it's yeah, still, the marketing is so good. You, you do find yeah. yourself good. Oh, you fall great. down the rabbit hole of, oh, it's not. And there, the swish and the swoosh and the little bit of gloss. It's, it's, it's very well done. And it's very nice. And it is compelling. It is, it is very much a, ooh, new shiny thing. And it's nice to think about it in a way of like, that would be nice. And theoretically, I could buy that. But, and then you let it simmer. And then you come back down to reality and like, I have an iPad. I don't need a second iPad. Only Stuart needs two iPads. And believe um, me, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I I enjoyed just for a, a hot second just being like ooh Apple this is great and just enjoying the marketing for the marketing and enjoying how polished it was and enjoying just the the experience of the marketing um while not necessarily opening up the wallet letting the moths out and uh hitting the credit card against the screen mhm mm yeah i mean it's it's strange this was uh, i'm going through an odd period with my my apple fanboyism or fanboydom whatever the correct phrase is um <laughs> so last year by my year my very low standards was a quiet year so i wasn't gonna buy anything and then i accidentally bought an ipad pro which you know i appreciate is a fairly <laughs> significant investment yeah um, and i now look at it going hmm the ipad air does absolutely everything i need to do yeah had i waited 12 months i wouldn't need either so i've got um i've got the 10.4 pro 10.4 so it was the before the 11 inch 
Yes. Um, way back when. Way back when. Probably a whole three years or something. Um, which has got the first generation pencil, which is, uh, for want of a better phrase, a bit crap. Um, <clears throat> you have to sort of stick it into the lightning port and you look very odd. <laughs> with an <laughs> iPad with this sort of large phallic symbol sticking out. It's, it's really not good. Um, I did, however, because of my, my stationary nerdism, immediately look at it and go, huh, I've got a Leuchtturm pen loop that will work perfectly for that. So um, <laughs> I, I have still the most secure iPad pencil setup that you can have. I've got my little loop stuck there. Um, Koeko, you might not know this, um, make a stylus holder. They make an eye pencil, an Apple pencil holder, mm. uh, which sort of, uh, well, I don't know, it gives it a grip section and makes it much more pen-like. Uh, so naturally enough, I've got one of those. That comes no surprise to anyone. Uh, and that was a fine little iPad. But then I was seduced by this whole, okay, iPad is my main computer. It's going to be effectively my desktop. Oh, I don't know. I can't possibly live without a 12.9, so I went and bought one. Um, and now find myself back using a Mac with an iPad thinking, oh dear, what should I be doing with this thing? But um, it is a bit awkward to sort of read on the couch, isn't it? I mean, it's quite big, the 12.9. I don't mind. I don't begrudge the 12.9 the iPad because I like the real estate for media. I like the real estate for drawing. I like It doesn't bother me, but... An iPad wouldn't be my primary device for reading anyway, so sure, sure. sure. I feel like for me it was like let's get the most souped-up, kick-ass um, device that I can. It's a desktop replacement for me, so yeah. that's it's. Let's have something that is really capable, really, really good, really big screen. I'm not gonna feel like I'm cramped, and I can do almost everything on it. And that's what it does. That's what it is, and it works great for that. And if I wanted something to read, I'd probably buy a Kindle. Mm-hmm. If I wanted something for like a like an on-the-go super super portable media machine that does internet things i just buy a bigger phone sure sure i mean it's um i i do go through this reassessment on a regular basis which i'm sure justin will tell you this is just some convoluted way of allowing myself to buy more tech but um you know i i sort of go through do i need a desktop with a really powerful phone or do i need uh, you know, can an iPad be my desktop and then I just need a smaller phone and, and uh, all sorts of nonsense. But all of that aside, I was looking forward to this event in particular because although I don't have any need for an iPad Air, the last thing I need is a third iPad. Um, I am in the market for a watch because I've got the okay. Apple Watch 3, Series 3. Um, was that 14 years ago or <laughs> 20 minutes ago or something? I mean, it's very tenaciously <laughs> hanging on. It's still in the lineup. So there are now three Apple Watches in the lineup and, and the, the Series 3 is still there. Um, is it number one in that lineup? What, well, it depends where you're numbering from, but um, it's the... It's <laughs> a very confusing... It's yes, their price. SE comes after X. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's their price, <laughs> if you're lucky. It's their, their price leaders. So it's the one where they can say, oh, look, you can get an Apple, Apple uh, Watch from one. Oh, which is the Apple Watch SE now. No, no, it's the, it's the Series 3 still. The SE oh. is, um, in layman's terms, it's the guts of a 5 um, with a little bit of the 6, but a couple of things missing. 
the the SE is very similar to the phone tech. It gets the most up to date uh, in it in terms of a chip. Um, okay. But the SE will probably stay like that now for three years or so, um, and it will become the it will become the bottom of the range. I suspect next year. But for the moment, the the Series Three is still on sale. Um, it doesn't have always on. The screen is last generation, so it doesn't. I have bezels. I mean, you can't see them. It's a black screen and a black bezel. But um, it it sort of lacks some of the the go faster stripes of the new ones. So I was really thinking, yep, this is probably time for me to buy. Um, I didn't buy the Series Four. I didn't buy the Series Five. It's probably time to buy the Series Six. Excellent. And then this morning, uh, I, I, well, actually last night, I was doing a little bit of one of the iPads came into its own and I was doing a little bit of scrolling through. <laughs> going, okay, so, you know, do I want this color? Do I want that strap? I want this? And let's have a look at the specs versus the SE and all of that jazz. And ultimately, for what I use a watch for, what I would gain with the six is um, my blood oxygen oxygenation levels which is something that frankly i'm survived i'm surprised i've survived this long without knowing my blood oxygenation. <laughs> um, i've watched a video on how important these things are and i still don't understand why i would want to know um what my blood so you can compare your, your percentages with people on instagram and feel inferior well, i suppose there is that i mean that that is is one of the national sports um <laughs> But there's that, there's the always on, which I know loads of people have been sort of agitating for always on Apple Watches. To me, it was always a feature that it wasn't always on. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an enormous amount of redundancy in having an electronic device not being looked at, firing light out into the world. It's like, well, why? <laughs> Shooting photons into the void. <laughs> <laughs> why? Um, uh, okay. I, I would prefer it if the watch that I am wearing worked a little bit more reliably. It's supposed to light up when I lift my wrist. And it does. Yeah. But there's a, there is a little sort of, you know, pause while that happens. Yeah, uh, but considers. I like that. I, I, I think that's cool. So uh, I thought, okay, so do I want to pay £400? What, what colour will I get? Oh, the same as I've got. Right. <laughs> and in, in terms of straps? Hmm. Oh, uh, Oh, yeah, it's cut. Oh, it's going to be kind of the one I've got. Right. Yeah, but they got the one that doesn't have a buckle. That's cool. Yeah, and on the website, you wouldn't have researched quite as deeply as me because you have, no. this is one area where my exploration of rabbit holes goes further. Um, there's a little asterisk there. And if you go down to the bottom <laughs> of the page, the asterisk says, um, may get a little longer over time. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a belt. <laughs> it's just okay so this 400 pound piece of tech that i'm attaching to my wrist while i i don't know do violent things like swing a golf club <laughs> is gradually gonna get looser Wee! <laughs> yeah. hmm. not sure that's gonna work for me to be honest and yeah also if i could think of an awkward way to take a watch off it would be to pull it over my hand that's that's got to be, I mean, apart from pulling it over your shoulder, neck and head. Yeah, the other way is probably slightly harder, but yeah, it's top two ways yeah. to take off a watch you shouldn't. Instead of that, you know, ridiculous caveman thing of having a little catch. God. 
good lord uh so yeah i i think i'm becoming old and cynical cj that's that's my problem um well this is the old and cynical ipad ipod apple podcast that's what this is now called because we spent 16 minutes talking about nothing except moaning about exactly. stuff that we can't have yeah well we just we just essentially explained that neither of us has bought anything we could we, we'll, we'll change it in post this will be five seconds did you buy anything no me no 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 so what are you writing with and on tj (laughs) well you said the bar last week you said we had to do something interesting so i scrambled and i went and found interesting things i hope so i've been writing with a midori brass bullet in a field notes campfire um just to, to mix it up and the midori brass bullet has a 602 stub in it um and it's an old 602 stub because i've had that midori brass for years uh-huh. uh, and i didn't know there was a 602 in it until i opened it so it's great it's lovely it's, it's a 602 it's in a brass midori bullet really well put together japanese product it's great it's really nice to use it looks really well i pulled it out of a pen cup in my office and work and went oh yeah i own this cool i'll write with this today and so it's followed me home and i've had it in my pocket the last couple of days and it's it's very nice Excellent. Click clacking about. Oh, it's click click clacking away. I was just surreptitiously looking something up, um, which I was. I'm I'm considering. I'm considering because what we could do this. This is going to be quite weird for anybody that's listening. That's not a great <laughs> intro, is it? But how would how would you feel, TJ, about talking about the new field notes, which has not yet oh. been released? As we are talking, nobody outside of field notes or retailers knows what it is but obviously i'm a retailer and i know what it is and it's being Mm. released before the show goes out so So this is wednesday the 16th it it presumably comes out shortly it's it's coming out tomorrow (gasps) oh and so (laughs) so we can in fact talk about it unless through some weird sort of time shift I end up finding myself inadvertently breaking the, the, the um, embargo, which would just be too weird for words, to be honest. Um, Are you going to email me something illicit? <laughs> I can't email you something illicit, to be honest. Um, I have to give you all sorts of passwords and stuff. So this, this would have to be something I, I should have thought of a little time before. Um, well, how about, how about this? Through the theatre of the mind, given that's what the, the medium which we've chosen, why don't you describe to me the new Field Notes edition and I will paint a beautiful acrylic picture hanging in the void of my mind alongside the listeners. Oh, wow. It's, uh, it's a great idea if <laughs> I can find a way of bringing it up. Uh, there's that, there's that, there's that. Oh, top secret. That's all. It's always a hint where it says top secret. <laughs> Don't talk about this on podcasts. Oh, yeah. good. Whatever you do, <laughs> do not mention this on a podcast. So before I open the email, I have to log into the website. This is how it works. I have to log into my account on the website. And there it goes. It opens up, which is very exciting. Um, and there is nothing, nothing to see. Nothing exciting. Then go back to the email they sent you that says top secret and (laughs) there's a link and you click the link and if your account's open it takes you to the new edition oh so exciting tj so um first of all 
field notes are getting a bit wise to all this. They're getting a bit swish. So this isn't a um, single edition. This is three packs of three. Ooh, so um, nine individual designs? Yeah. So this is uh, Margin City, um, if you're field notes. This is, if, you want, if you want to bust your figures upwards, this is probably the way to do it. Now, I'm just, for the record, I'm going to read this, okay? Important note for wholesalers. Field Notes products may not be resold on third-party sites, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, Jet.com, Walmart, etc. Please do not share or post any photos or information about this edition online or in online communities until after it is announced by Field Notes on Thursday, September 17th. Which is tomorrow, canonically this, for us. And the show is releasing on Monday. So unless TJ decides that, to teach me a lesson he's going to release this early. Um, i'll just release safe. this snippet <laughs> um, bonus episode Stu's credibility ruined <laughs> so uh who's gonna like this um okay we'll try and explain it then all right the name of it is called freedom of the presses Ooh. i'll read you the the field notes um blurb so our 48th quarterly limited edition for the fall of 2020 is the United States of Letterpress, which features the work of nine independent letterpress shops from across America. This series demonstrates a wide array of craftsmanship, in ingenuity, and love for the age-old and tactile process of letterpress pr printing. Cool, try and say that after a bite of kids. With the help of our friends at Finch Paper of Glen Falls, New York, and the French paper company of Niles, Michigan, we shipped each shop a different color cover stock all from french's pop tone line and specified the same two ink colors rubine red and process blue for all of them the results are as varied and thoughtful as the participants involved so mm -hmm. i won't keep reading because we'll be here forever but you've got a the a pack there is a full circle press of nevada city california um Genghis Kern of Denver, great name. <laughs> and one of two. Do you know what the Kern is? <laughs> no. The Genghis... Kern is the spacing between letters. Is it? Genghis mm -hmm. Kern of Denver. Oh, I like it. Very clever. Um, <laughs> uh, one of two by Mama's Source of Orlando, Florida. Um, there is. The one that jumps out of me, I can't tell you which one it is, but it's, uh, it's got Elf in the West is the design on the front. So uh, the designs are, they are quite Draplin-esque. I think, you know, these, these designers obviously all know who they're working with. Um, so they have a sort of familiarity about them. They're very brightly colored. Mm -hmm. So each pack, um, the, the notebooks are, are unique. So... Um, in this first pack, you've got a sort of white background with, um, oh, what were those things? You remember you used to get like uh, a little, it was like a little sheet of plastic with holes cut into it. It looked like some sort of mathematical instrument. And you could put a little red pen into one of the holes and start Oh, to, a spirograph. Yeah. So it's got a spirograph design on it. Mm. Uh, then there's the green one with a sort of elf in the West and West is that sort of, um, I, you know, I've got visions of John Wayne when I see it. Um, and then you've got some sort of mamas has done, uh, an orange and red. It's very cool. Very cool. 
Then you've got uh, the second pack. B is uh, two co- one of two cover designs by Springtide Press of Tacoma of Washington. One of two by Brad Vetter of Louisville or Louisville, Kentucky. Come <laughs> back. Yeah. And one of two by Ben Blunt of Evanston, Illinois. Uh, then pack C, you've got uh, one of two cover designs by Rick Griffith of Denver, Colorado. One of two by Aaron Becklov of Springboro, Ohio. And one cover by Star Shaped Press of Chicago, Illinois. Mm. And then it's got a flyleaf and... Um, Oh, oh, honestly, don't. Oh. <laughs> so some of the detail here is just lovely. The amount of thought that's gone into this. I mean, fair play to, to Field Notes because they've outsourced a lot of their creativity, which is, is a great way of getting a lot more people involved and, and therefore a lot more excitement and um, variety in, in the designs. Yeah. But it's going to be one of those ones where people will definitely pick their favorites and be like, oh, I love number two of pack A and then number one of pack C yeah. and then number two of, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, Facebook, frenetic Facebook group sharing and swapping, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the field nuts will, in fact, go nuts. Um, uh, well, by the time this has gone, <laughs> it, it will already have happened. The charts yeah. will have already been built. Um, they are really, really nice, and I think the field nuts will love them. They are, uh, the paper is a grid. I think it's an, uh, the sort of tan-colored grid, a very yeah. sort of classic field note. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, grid, grids always go really well. You said getting a little bit inside baseball, but sales-wise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, Good if, to if, know. Yeah, if it's, if it's a light tan graph grid, it'll probably do all right. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm really interested in these and I'm not the biggest field notes fan in the world, but I will definitely, definitely, def- I'll have to wag my finger and get strict at Claire to, uh, to keep some of these aside for me. I want one of every nine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're really cool. And I think they will, they will fly. Um, yeah. And cool. uh, I, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but it, it's quite nice to see a celebration of America. That's all I'm going to say. Um, mm. Very, very nice. Very exciting. Uh, it's good for us as well because uh, the sort of Field Notes edition sort of kicks off whatever season it is for us. It always does. Um, yeah. So this is what, your autumnal season, your fall season? This is fall. And um, we've, from a, from a British point of view, uh, we've also got coming... Uh, the first batch of the National Parks uh, additional one. Um, oh. I didn't really express that terribly well, did I? But um, uh, National Parks, there is now another set that's come out. Hmm. Um, so that, that takes us up to, what, is it five now? Okay. Um, it's a huge family now. But they came out a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah, and we didn't pick them up because we knew this one was coming, and so from a shipping point of view, um, it made a lot of sense. Oh, I see. Just just put them yeah. together. Yeah, that so makes a lot of sense. This is Series E, which is the Denali National Park. Um, and my apologies to anybody who knows anything about uh, pronunciation, but the Cuyahoga Valley National Park uh, and the Olympic National Park. Mm-hmm. So 
that's the fifth set of national parks. Um, and that's all arriving. So it's the biggest order I've ever made from field notes um, to the extent that I had, uh, I had to reauthorize the payment. My bank came back and said, are you sure? <laughs> that's a yeah. lot of zeros. Sir. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what earth are you going to do with that many notebooks? Um, so yeah, they are, um, the order's gone in. I'm waiting for my, my shipping data. Um, so we would usually get them a few days after, after release. Um, so we'll either get them at the end of the week that this is going out. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably, probably around about the week of, yeah, yeah. Next Thursday. Till end of September. Yeah, they should be out and in Nero's. And clearly I'll be jumping in down and screaming about them on social media. Uh, so you won't be able to escape it, even if you should wish to. <laughs> <laughs> yes there we go that that that's a complete scoop for you and i tj for everyone else it's old news i like it there what a go. strange podcast topic where i have not seen the thing we've talked about but i feel like i can see it yeah well like i said i'd have to get passwords and all sorts and no, 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 no. I, I i like the theater of the mind better to be honest well i know what you and i would do we would get it wrong <laughs> undoubtedly we would send it, uh, an episode out there with all of the details of, I don't know, the new black ring or something, break the embargo and nobody would ever speak to me again. <laughs> mm. uh, yes, let's, let's not do that. What are so, you writing in? What am I writing with? Well, I'm not writing in a field notes, but I will be soon. Um, I'm writing in a, a Nero Stealth. That is my pocket notebook of choice at the moment, um, which uh, we got a nice little notebook on. Uh, notebook. We got a nice little write-up on those on um, notebook stories. Very good blog. Go check it mm. out. Um, uh, where um, she was very happy with our little pocket. We've got a little pocket on the inside of the uh, mm-hmm. cover uh, and on the uh, inside of the back of the cover as well. So I'm writing in that with a Blackwing Natural, which is coming towards the end of Steinbeck. So approaching golf pencil. Okay. A new technical term, approaching golf pencil. <laughs> uh, I do like this mm. pencil. I do like the, the natural. I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker for natural. Um, what about watching, TJ? What are you watching? Uh, well, we finished The Fall, which is the crime serial killer drama filmed all in Belfast, mm-hmm. uh, which was really nice. It's nice to see something filmed locally and set locally. Um, a lot of things are filmed here. Not a lot of things are set here. Uh, they do fall victim a little bit to the, like, you know, shouldn't you be wearing a flak jacket? Why are you not getting in an armored car kind of thing? You're like, no, no, no. It's not really like that anymore. Um, people have preconceptions about Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that maybe wasn't unfounded. But nowadays, it's it's a big metropolitan city, you know? Sure. Yeah, I've been there. It's similar to... Yeah, yes, you have. It's a, it's a lovely place. I'm very proud to be from here. Um, but it's it's funny watching the place you're from be portrayed in fiction because inevitably the people who are portraying it are not necessarily uh, from the same place as you. And so there's things that they get right uh, and they, they got an awful lot right. And there's also things that they kind of get wrong as a strong term, but it's like, okay, well, that's not where that road goes. And if you're going there, that doesn't make any sense. And Megan, Megan gets frustrated with me because I get frustrated with the show. I'm like, <laughs> right, if he's going to the down serious crime suite, why is he driving towards Bangor? Like, well, well, maybe it's off. Maybe it's up there. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because that's not where he said he's going. It's like, also, it's a TV <laughs> show, darling. Shut up. And I'm like, yeah, but if it's set, like, I can, I can excuse it if it's a TV show filmed in Northern Ireland set in anonymous English county. I mean, England, 
Englandia, wherever. And they're just saying, it's a place, in a place, that's fine. Okay, I don't care. But if you're specifically setting it in Belfast, then you should conform to the geography of Belfast because you're setting it in the city for a reason. And so there's just a few times where I'm like, what's going on? That's not where that is. That's a leisure centre. That's a primary school. Neither of them are hospitals. <laughs> just just getting confused. But it was, <laughs> it was good. The fall was really good right up until the last episode. And oh. that's what disappointed me the, the most. And I, spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen it yet. It was really good. It was really interesting, really well acted by a, a slew of really, really talented people. And then the last episode was a bit like, oh, right. Okay, well, that was three seasons. You just packaged them up, tied them up really tightly and just flushed them down the toilet. What was the point of that? I, I don't know. Maybe Maybe I didn't get it, but it just frustrated me that it, it seemed to, to go away to nothing. You know, build, 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 and then kind of just evaporate, which is frustrating when you're, you're expecting something and, and it doesn't ever come to a head. And it's, it's difficult, I think, with fiction as well, because a lot of people will say, well, that's the point. The point is it should subvert your expectations. It shouldn't be, you know, expected. It shouldn't be the narrative that you considered it should have. It should have its own narrative. It should forge its own story, whatever. But there's times when you're like, oh, right, so all that pressure you built up in season two doesn't matter because you just basically let the balloon go and it went... And then the limp plastic balloon fell in the corner of the room and everyone went, and that's season three, thanks very much. You went, oh. Right, uh, what else is on Netflix? Oh, I don't know, just frustrating, but not bad. So it it didn't ruin the show, but it was a disappointing ending. Um, but there you go, that's just me. Um, I also watched Hashtag Alive, which Hashtag is a Korean alive. zombie film. Hashtag Alive. Um, Korean zombie film. Interesting. Uh, a lot of really, really good Korean films. Snowpiercer, I think, was a Korean director as well, the film. Um, really, really well put together kind of characterization. And dubbed as well. I normally would watch it with subtitles, but it was a pretty good dub. Um, and it, it it's interesting. It wasn't anything groundbreaking in terms of like it's a zombie film. It it largely played out like a zombie film, but it did kind of mesh in the idea of social media and social media in a pandemic. And I don't know when the film was made. I think it's relatively recent. I don't know when it was shot, um, but there was certain elements of it that felt very, I don't know, COVID aware. There's bits of it where there's isolation and being stuck in a house on your own. And even though you got social media, you feel very isolated, very Maybe it's me reading into it as someone living in, in COVID times, but it was just that kind of, ooh, that almost touches a nerve in a very interesting way that they've broached it with a zombie pandemic rather than a, a COVID pandemic. Just in it, maybe, maybe it's me just taking a take from nowhere, but I thought it was good. It wasn't groundbreaking, but it was good fun. Um, it's on Netflix. If you want to watch it? Hashtag alive. Worth seeing. Okay. Sure, why not? Sounds sounds relatively interesting. It's sort of different take on a, well, I suppose, an old trope. Yeah. Um, oh, where are we watching? What did I watch? Um, it's still uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, Mrs. L is still oh, still in on that. Took me a minute. So uh, she wrote BB in the show notes, and I was like, I don't know mm-hmm. what that. I, I don't know why that took me so long. It's been a long week. I know. we we're, we're, we're getting towards the. Um, she at the moment, I think, is resisting watching the finale to season two. Because um, the idea is that we'll watch it when you and I finish. But um, standard procedure will be I'll go up and it'll be very quiet. 
quite a lot of sleeping going on between my <laughs> wife and my dog. Um, so that may be a tomorrow thing. Uh, I've, I've seen it before. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. Um, I think it's such a well-written show. Uh, and some yeah. of the acting is is really good. I really like Brian Cranston. So, yeah. Mr. Cranston is fantastic. Yeah, I enjoy watching it. Um, the Margaret's Gone to Bed show is C uh, on Apple. What's it? TV oh, Plus Jason thing? Momoa. That's him. Um, my, my, he's a well put together young man. Uh, there's an awful lot of mm-hmm. him. Aquaman. <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah, it's, I suppose the premise is interesting. Um, I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say the idea is that nobody can see. That's pretty much it. It's a post-apocalyptic world where nobody can see. Uh, apart from uh, two twins. Two twins as opposed to seven twins. No, two twins. Uh, well, seven twins would be 14 children, but it's just yeah. as grammatically correct as two twins. But yeah, you didn't need to specify there was two if there was just it's, a twin. Yeah, a pair a, of twins? Mm, it's a bit of a tortoise, isn't it? There, 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 <laughs> there are two of them. Um, uh, and they are inexplicably aged from... Uh, well, from Babes in Arms to 12 in oh. le- less than half an episode. That was quite exciting. That's a jump. That's like the fall where the the nature of the filming is that it's probably a year and a bit between. And so the little girl who is the sort of main character's daughter, it just, just ages rapidly throughout the show, even though it's supposed to be months, weeks and months rather than years. And so she, she goes from about six to about 14 in the space of the three seasons. You're like... She's not looking like she's eight anymore. I'm sorry. I don't mean to break it to you, but <laughs> I mean, at, at the risk of um, you know reverting back to, to Apple talk, I, I looked <laughs> I looked down at the iPad to to have a think about different types of straps, and I looked up, and these two babes in arms have become strapping tall children. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's all right. It's okay. Some of the um, the fight scenes and things are really really clever. You know, sort of imagining yeah. a world without sight. Um, but it's, it's getting to the point where I'm thinking, um, yeah, you need to grab me. Um, some, some sort of <laughs> plot needs to grab I'm me. I'm waiting. Here. I'm mm. here. you got to meet me halfway or else I'm going home. Yeah. yeah else I'm, I'm going to go. I mean, I may even you know, give Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston another go on the morning show. Um, so that's mm, all right. Oh, I'll tell you what I did do. I watched the end of Mythic Quest. Um, Raven's Banquet, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, continued to be, yeah, kind of good. And then kind of, mm, not sure about that. Oh, I like that. Oh, not sure about that. No. And then the yeah. final episode uh, was obviously shot during quarantine. Was uh, it? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether this is what they've added on. But Hold the, because I don't remember that. The entire app is, uh, is a Zoom call. Oh, well, maybe uh, I'm missing something because I don't think I've seen that. Oh, well, um, watch it because it's a joy. It's an absolute joy. One because Was that season two? No, just a season, season one. Season one. Uh, uh, <laughs> certainly out here in Cyprus, there's only the one. Nine episodes. Oh, yeah, it's a special. Mythic Quest Quarantine. Oh, yeah, okay. it came out on 22nd of May. That's why I haven't seen it. Ah, so right. I finished this show in the before times, so ah, I wouldn't have seen it. Watch it then. Watch oh, it. Um, there we go. I'm going to go watch that. It's uh, Bye. Uh, yes, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, it was the best episode of the lot. Um, 
so yeah, I really enjoyed that. It, it touches upon, uh, there will be bits of it that you'll go, uh-huh, I've been on that call. Um, <laughs> and then the, the finale, um, I won't give it away, but the, the joy that you witness couldn't be acted. That's all I'm going to say. And you can tell me next week whether I'm talking nonsense or not. <laughs> um, and anybody who has seen it is hopefully sitting at going, you know, he's right. It's not often I say that about Stuart, but he's right. Um, so I enjoyed that a lot. I'm now, I'm now on the hunt for something else, I think. Um, okay. I, I can't uh, live I'm just to think on You're catching it. up. Yeah, you're catching up on all the things that I've seen. So have you ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Uh, no. You should maybe give that a try. It's the same actor and same writer, Rob Mac, uh, Rob McElhenney, I think his mm. name is. He's the lead character in Mythic Quest. He's also one of the lead characters in It's Always Sunny, and he's one of the writers on It's Always Sunny. Um, it's funny. Again, it's it's a Marmite one. You'll watch an episode and go, nope. Or you'll watch an episode and go, yeah, okay. Um, it's got a good cast, proper sort of South Park level humor, if okay. that means anything. Um, worth watching very interesting takes on things sometimes um and well put together very i i find it very funny but um up to yourself whether you think it's it's good or not but it is, there's like 14 seasons so there's a good run of it no and they're not long episodes okay uh yeah i shall have a look uh you so far you i don't know what your batting average is but it's pretty good there's, there's been <laughs> i don't more know what good that means. baseball's a complete complex nonsense to me but i'll, I'll take the compliment yeah it's yeah. coming just put a decimal point and say a number. And it's that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what about listening? Have you listening to anything good? Well, I've been driving to work a couple of days. I've been back in work. <gasps> work. This is back driving today. to work. Good Lord. I've been working from home, but I'm back in work work. Uh, this has been my fourth day, I think, back in. And on those drives to work, I was like, well, it's a good 30 minutes each way. There's not an awful lot to do. I'm on my own. Maybe this would be a good time to listen to some sort of podcast. Oh. Who's recommended podcasts recently? <laughs> so I finally, finally, finally listened to 13 Minutes to the Moon. Oh. And uh, yeah, what, someone should have told me about this before. It's really good. <laughs> it's very Cosgrove, isn't it? <laughs> it's very good. It's really, it's that kind of like, we're going to dedicate however many episodes of this. We're going to take an entire episode to talk about the guidance computer. I'm like, yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for speaking, Thomas. <laughs> I very much like that idea of like, well, before we can tell you this very simple thing, we need to tell you 40 very complex things and we'll take an entire episode per topic to talk about them. Uh, at which stage the little sort of lights and dials in my brain start flying off the charts because it's like, well, this is good. This yeah. is nice. Um, Ah, oh, I was on the way home just before we recorded. I got home uh, for me quite late, but it kind of almost intersected with the recording time. And um, so literally about half an hour, 45 minutes before we we recorded, I was listening to the uh, the some of the people who landed the LEO mm-hmm. um, talk about how obscure a machine it is and how it's like a helicopter with a jet engine and just some really interesting takes on stuff that I, I know a little bit about because I'm sort of interested. Yep. Uh, but you learn an awful lot more. And I feel like I'm at the, the, the tail end of this where a lot of people have already watched and listened to this and enjoyed it. Uh, but I'm sitting here going, this is great. People should watch the, or listen to this podcast. It's a good podcast. Have you ever heard of 13 Minutes to that? <laughs> well, the, the, the fantastic thing about it is that you've, you've identified the formula and that, that formula now continues. So the final episode 
no spoilers, but it's it's actually the 13 minutes to the moon. Yeah, I think I remember and, them saying that. And you know exactly what's going to happen and you know why it's yeah. going to happen. It's been explained to you. And it is still, you're still biting your nails, gripping the edge of your seat. Even <laughs> though, years ago. Yeah, even though you know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and if, if anything, because your understanding of how the people were feeling when, you know, that yeah. tiny little sound you heard there, you know what's behind that. Um, it's, at, oh, it's brilliantly made. It is worth the license fee for the BBC on its own. Just absolutely fantastic. God, well, I'm glad you're listening to it. I'm, I'm, I'm relieved. I'm delighted. <laughs> it only took what six, eight, twelve months, something like that. Oh, there's there's people in the in the Slack doing a little dance now, uh, as they. <laughs> um, well, I've been far far less interesting. I've been re- listening to podcasts, um, as as we've all maybe maybe mentioned for three or four seconds. Uh, there's a bit of Apple stuff mm-hmm. going on, um, uh, so I've been listening to them get all very excited about it and do their drafts and all that. Um, and also, uh, I, I, Relay FM, this is the month where they uh, raise lots of money for um, St. Jude's, the childhood cancer mm-hmm. hospital in, uh, in Memphis, which you know, sounds like a fantastic place. I always uh, throw a couple of quid in there. So I would urge anybody who has any, any money, go and give some money to that. It's... Um, uh, I think it's relay.fm forward slash St. Jude or something. Um, but one of the founders of Relay, Stephen Hackett, his first son uh, is a cancer survivor and was treated by, oh, wow. by that hospital. So they're trying to raise $315,000, which is what they raised last year. Um, and by the time this show goes out, you will have missed the podcast-a-thon. Um, however... Uh, I'm sure it will still be available on various and sundry channels. Uh, and certainly you'll still be able to give them a, a couple of bucks if you can. Um, so I've been listening to loads and loads of their shows because it's also the time when all their crossover shows come out. If you're a, if you're a member of Relay FM, they do mm-hmm. a whole weird uh, mix-up of shows where you get people who normally talk about rockets talking to people who normally talk about art, uh, about something you know, completely <laughs> random. Where do the fun. people who normally talk nonsense go? Because that's that's our niche. Is there, some, is there somewhere to talk non nonsense? If, if, if we were a re- sure if, if we were a relay show, it would be eighteen fifty seven featuring Stuart and CJ because nobody else knows what to say to them. Um, <laughs> that, that would be it. We'd have to swap accents or something. You'd have to fly to Cyprus. I'd have to go to Northern Ireland. That would be the twist. That would work. Yeah, confusing for everyone, but it could work. No, in in these future days when we will return to the old days and we can travel. Uh, then I'm all for it. Pulse right. out in Cyprus. I'm looking forward to episode 199. <laughs> 199. Um, what about reading? Are you reading anything nice? In the interest of speed, given that we're 47 <laughs> minutes in, no, not enough, and I will intend to read more. Over to you. I'm still uh, being a very good man and reading. The last thing uh, before I go to bed, I read, uh, even if it's only a couple of pages a chapter, just trying to be disciplined. Uh, about that and many mm-hmm. things. So uh, I'm reading Lenny by uh, Stateham, somebody Stateham. Uh, it's good. Uh, that's all I would say. Uh, there's some a couple of editing things that I'm picking up, but that's probably because I'm doing some editing. And so uh, sort of red pens feature in all of my nightmares and dreams at the moment. 
<laughs> uh, what about drinking? What are you getting stuck into, TJ? Well, given that we're now into the official pumpkin spice latte season, I bought Megan her first pumpkin spice latte the other day. Um, I can't stand them. It's a root vegetable and a coffee. I will not be swayed in any other direction. <laughs> it's horrible. But uh, given that we're now into the sort of autumnal uh, fall towards Christmas, um, I decided to go for something a little bit festive, a little bit sort of Christmassy. And uh, when we were shopping the other day, I found some praline coffee, like syrup. Uh, it's proper cane sugar syrup. It's not sweetener. It's not nonsense. Uh, and I don't use an awful lot of it, but it is nice. Um, praline is hazelnuts, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yes, and it was it was good. It wasn't very... What's the word? Uh, strong is... I'm trying to think of synonyms for strong, but strong will do. It, it was... Um, more of a sort of lighter touch on the flavor palette. Uh, it wasn't bad, but some of the ones I have, I have a coconut one, which is like being punched with a bounty bar. It's <laughs> it's quite pleasant. It, it, it doesn't sound it, but it is quite pleasant. This one was more of a subtle kind of like, there's brilliant here. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I have a couple of those every now and again. Every now and again, I have a little bit extra milk, top up the, the old espresso, and then put a little bit of syrup in it, just let it mellow. And that's quite a nice coffee, either first thing in the morning on a decadent day, which doesn't happen all the time, or sort of mid-afternoon as a little sort of 2.30 p.m. pickup. A little bit of sugar, a little hit with the caffeine, just just enough to keep you going. Sounds lovely. Uh, what am I doing? What oh, about you? I'm, I'm drinking Idris. Spicy ginger beer. And mm. I, kid, I kid you not, it says on the can, Try me if you dare. No, oh, um, a challenge. I, I, it is quite spicy, um, but I quite like ginger, so uh, I can't say anything more exciting than that. It's probably got seven million bits of sugar in it. I'm just going to have a look now. It does have <laughs> ingredients. So the first ingredient is carbonated water, so that's a good sign. Ah, yeah, sugar, however, comes in a strong second. <laughs> um, more sugar than ginger, I imagine. Yeah, and if that wasn't enough, straight after should be you've got sweetness. There you go. Oh, good. Double whammy. Mm. So it's probably killing me, but it's quite tasty. What about buying? <laughs> what have you been buying this week? A bit of, bit of weird stuff, a little bit of self-care stuff this week, actually. Mm. Um, every now and again, I get a little bit of neck pain. I don't know whether that's from the dreaded sort of screen neck or working at computers is my predominant uh, work style. Uh, and so I do a lot of craning my neck up or craning my neck down mm -hmm. and generally every now and again i'll get a sore back and a sore neck now the sore back is not very often the sore neck is more prevalent and it's more annoying and i can i can feel it it's sort of like above the right shoulder rising up towards the back of the head and i almost feel like if i could flick my neck in the right position whatever tendon or bit of viscera that is wrapped around something it shouldn't be will ping back out of, out of place or back into place and all the pain will disappear. That, that's kind of what it feels like. Um, so I bought, it's called a wheaty bag. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's effectively just a bag of, I think, barley or something, uh, or maybe wheat, who knows, uh, that you stick in the microwave, heat it up, and then put it around your neck. This one's kind of like a U-shape with a couple of folds and pleats. So it sits around your neck and kind of just coagulates that heat around the area in which it might do some good. Very nice. Sounds quite, uh, quite so, soothing. Yeah, it's not bad. I tried it when I got home. Uh, so I had we, Meg and I had one. 
that was kind of seven or eight years ago. And it was just a, a long sort of rectangle of these. Uh, but what happens is it tends to congregate in one end. And so mm-hmm. you just get an empty bag and a, a bunch of wheat in one end, which is not exactly conducive to a kind of therapeutic neck care. So this one was I think 12 pounds on Amazon. It's hardly going to break the bank. So we bought that. And then a little bit of a splurge and a little bit of a, I don't know if this is nonsense, but it sounds interesting. Uh, I bought a weighted blanket for us as well. Have you ever heard of these? No. So a weighted blanket is a blanket that has weights in it. Shocking. Um, <laughs> it's little glass beads. Okay. So when I say little, I mean very, very small, like uh, much bigger than sand, much smaller than marbles. That's as best as I can describe it. Very small little beads. Mm-hmm. And um, like quinoa or couscous, if you mm. want to be particular. Wow. Um, one of those is wrong, but both of them will suffice. And it, it's kind of like a, a diamond-shaped embroidery so that each section, each diamond of couscous, uh, glass couscous, is effectively partitioned from its neighbor so that it can't do the bunching thing. Mm-hmm. And this is a big blanket. So it's probably, what, 150 by 200 centimeters. I don't know what that is in American money, but it's, it's a big, it's sort of like king-size bed. It'll cover it. Good size. Yes, you're talking and what, the idea, six foot by four foot. Yeah, yeah, in around that. Good big size. And the idea is that the weight in these glass beads sort of conforms it around you, and it, it it's like they describe it as like a, a therapeutic hug, like like a nice. It's supposed to treat anxiety, and it's supposed to treat a lot of different things. I just thought it might be pleasant, and I've read about them for a little while, and I was like, you know what, this is a splurge. I don't really need this, but we're coming into the sort of winter months. And it's going to be cold and it's going to be dreary and we're going to be sat in front of the TV or upstairs. And it'd just be nice to have something that's just a little bit, a little bit of self-care, a little bit of comfort. And I thought, why not? Very rarely treat myself to these kind of things. And even if it doesn't work, even if it's complete nonsense, it's a blanket that can be used as a blanket. Um, the difference is this blanket weighs 9.6 kilograms. Heavens. <laughs> so the poor Amazon man arrived today, I think we will be paying for his back surgery because I think he took this box out of the van and went, oh my, and then rumbled it up our driveway and just just hurled it at the front door and ran. Um, I I wish it went through the door. No, it was really, really heavy. So much so that Megan went, what have you ordered from Amazon? I'm like, Megan, we talked about this. It's a 9.5 kilogram blanket. It's going to weigh somewhere in the region of 10 kilos. Was Was she awake when you had this conversation? (laughs) <laughs> she was actually at the time yeah so she, she she has no excuse for not remembering it but um no she was on board with this this purchase but um it arrived and uh i was in work and so meg went oh i've tried it. it's very nice it's a good heavy blanket and then i got home and saw it on the sofa and immediately picked it up and, oh it's heavy isn't it yes it, you literally ordered the heaviest one they have it's not going to be light I'm like yeah but i didn't think it'd be this heavy it's <laughs> heavy though you know that thing you do where you're like, oh, I'll order the heavy one. Then you get it and you're like, it's heavy. <laughs> Someone should have warned me. <laughs> but I haven't properly tried it yet. Um, there was a user guide. I- I'm not sure what to make of that. I haven't read it. But uh, I'll go and study it studiously later before I uh, attempt to use it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to throwing it out or carefully loading it onto a forklift and descending it onto the bed. Um, and I... I think it could be therapeutic. I think it could be pleasant and enjoyable. I will report back 
if there are reports of my legs being crushed under some sort of blanket related injury, um, do not order one, uh, one star on Amazon. <laughs> I'm interested on the, the managing of the Amazon delivery man, because I'm going to have a similar problem tomorrow. Well, this is Cyprus. It could be the day <laughs> after tomorrow. Um, I've got not one, not two, but three UPS packages coming because there's quite a significant amount of weight involved. Um, mm, is this going to be one of those ones where they'll just drive the truck up the driveway and then you'll just let the box of the truck fall off uh, and you'll well, just get to keep that because it's easier? He's, he's really looked at it several times, but we have lights up both sides of our driveway because uh, the UPS guy now um, clearly hates me. And he, <laughs> he's looked at it a couple of times. No, it's okay. It's, a, it's only a couple of kilos. I'm thinking hmm, <laughs> tomorrow it's about 28 kilos. Let's see how he goes with that. Um, so uh, to cut a long story short, I want a dual monitor setup, which I think we've probably covered. I have mm-hmm. an LG 24, the one that features on the Apple website. Um, yeah. But it, it's pretty close to end of life. And it was made specifically for, for Apple. So um, when I went to my local monitor shop, they said, oh, we might be able to get it from Germany. No, we can't get that SKU. No, no, no chance, no chance. Uh, it's probably end of life. Uh, it's in stock in all the Apple shops. They looked at me and said, perhaps you should buy it from the Apple shop. <laughs> Which I suppose was fair. Um, but yeah. Apple won't deliver to countries that they're not in, and they're not in Cyprus. So um, that meant that I, I had to butter up Claire and just warn her that there might be a big monitor coming, um, which she would then have to forward on to me. Oh, and there might be a big arm to, to mount it on. That, that, that might be coming <laughs> too. And, uh, oh, oh, that, yeah, that's, that's a microphone. Uh, oh, that there, the, yeah, that's the, the ultimate hacker's keyboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, um, UPS, I'll delighted. I'm, I think they'll be bringing me my, my platinum card. Um, I, I won't need to, to book in any deliveries anymore. I'll just click my fingers and they'll arrive at the, at the gate. Um, you know those planes that they, they put Jeeps into and then they push the Jeep out and it just unfurls yep. a parachute and lands? They'd be better doing that once a week, just flying over uh, Lennon Mansion and just, well, just booting whatever it is out the door and letting it land in the pool. It's funny you should say that, but at the moment we have um, a C-130. I don't know if you know what one of those is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we have a C-130 going over about five or six times a day. I believe it belongs to the Israeli Air Force. Um, and wow. they have their fighter squadrons over here doing some training at the moment. So um, I guess because of the sensitivity of the area, if you had a load of Israeli fighters flying around where they live, that could cause quite a lot of um, unhappiness yes. and, and panic. Yeah. So they come and do it here. Um, and I think the C-130 is the target because it, it comes oh. lumbering across and it's quite noisy um, and annoys uh, the dog. <laughs> uh, Margaret quite likes it. She loves airplanes for some reason. Um, and then right behind it, sort of two minutes later, uh, some fighter jets, I think a mix of, of French-made ones and American-made ones, come roaring across the sky very low very loud <laughs> clearly practicing killing something um and that is quite alarming that that makes me jump when those things come screaming across 
But you're right. I could ask them if they could just drop a little bit of cargo out the back. I mean, yes, yeah. one of those ones with a parachute. Just have it land. Big yeah, I think, I think the parachute's probably key here. Yep, yeah, I, I, I'd be quite keen that that was in, yeah. included. Um, so I haven't. That that hasn't been me shopping. That was all last week's shopping, or the week before. But it's it's now on its way. <laughs> um, so the the fun bit. It's in Cyprus. It arrived in Cyprus last night. So um, oh, good. What they will try and do is. Um, do nothing and then phone me in the afternoon and go oh you wanted it delivered oh oh that'll have to be tomorrow if you want it today i have to come and get it um <laughs> however i'm ahead of them so i will be on the phone to them tomorrow morning uh, as the sun rises going oi get that delivery out to me at which point they'll go sure <laughs> first thing tomorrow tomorrow unless you want to pick it up today oh. anyway we'll see um what did I, what I did buy or what I'm in the process of buying, it's, by the time this goes out, I will have bought it, is I'm changing golf club, TJ. <gasps> oh, this is serious, serious stuff. This is like changing church. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like walking out of the, of the Protestant church and going into the Catholic one. It causes uproar, difficulties. Um, because of the time that we arrived in Cyprus and the way things worked out, my membership is out of sync with the rest of the country. So, so most of the country oh. joins from January to, to December. Um, I join yeah. I joined from November uh, to the end of October. I, I can't remember how this happened, but it did. So this is the time of year when I have to make a decision about whether I'm going to hand over a big lump of cash to company A or company B or company C. Um, and recently, of late, my golf club has been annoying me because I'm a, I'm a very weird beast. In most things, I'm a, I'm a sort of market-driven um, uh, Thatcherite, right-wing, Genghis Khan-esque, free market sort of person. What I'm not is any of that in golf. I think golf should be um, very egalitarian, and it isn't. <laughs> it's full of, sort of snobbery and people being pernickety. And it's a, what do you mean he's wearing a base? He's wearing a cap backwards. Throw him out immediately. Um, I, I just can't get into that. If, if you pay your money, you want to wear your cap backwards, you crack on as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's, there's a woman out there. Her tattoos are showing. That's probably why she got them. You fool. Uh, it's not really good. Anyway, so um, I, there was an email that came out to all the members um, with the sort of competitions that were coming up for the week. And there were the, these fateful words, um, by invitation only, on one of the competitions. And that sums up everything that I hate. Um, so I threw my, t my toys out the pram and uh, went and had a look at all the other golf clubs. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm moving, which will be very, very exciting, but probably not ideal podcast material. Um, <laughs> So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell people all about it on my blog or something and they can read about it. Well, we can have a bonus golf episode that can get no downloads if you want. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they still put golf on TV even though nobody watches it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that is, of, of all of the expenditures that we've spoken about, that is by some stretch the biggest. <laughs> mm. You have to pay a year up front, which is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a chunk of change, my friend. A chunk of change. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my my bank account is not looking forward to that. 
Well, there we are. Look, <laughs> just over an hour, and we're at parish notices already. The Apple thing only took a minute. That's all right. What's been going on in the world of Cosgrove? Or 17. Uh, well, I've had a haircut, which yeah. is good. I went to a new barber locally. Um, the one that I was going to uh, near work was excellent uh, due to nature of they did a good service and they were in close proximity. Uh, given that my proximity changed, I was not long, no longer near work all the time. Um, their proximity was no longer optimal. Uh, and so I found a local one and they let me book online. And it was all very swish. It was all very nice. And I walked in and the guy knew my name because of the email that I'd probably sent him when I booked it. So it wasn't that really magical, but it was a nice kind of like, oh, yeah, this is good. And yeah, we had a conversation about uh, hair partings. And we had a conversation about uh, my head shape, which is something I've never done in a barber's before. And then I got a good haircut and I enjoyed it and it wasn't very expensive. So I think I found a new barber. Not nearly exciting as, as your golf odyssey, but uh, nice to have a, a good barber you can trust. We're going to have Go to ahead. do the 1857, um, the barber index. This can be our equivalent of the economist <laughs> to the Big Mac index. Okay. So in central Belfast, you used to yeah. go and get your haircut for the princely sum of? Uh, it would have been £16, and I often gave a tip that pretty much rounded it out towards 20 16 and that would be for a haircut and beard trim or just a haircut sir yeah haircut and beard haircut and beard okay and we've now moved to uh, a new and exciting local place not in belfast you live outside of belfast without giving away the opsec mm -hmm. and so how much is that costing you there uh, about 16 pounds and i rounded up towards 20 <laughs> cost okay. me 18 I, I gave 18 so i gave a two-point tip excellent and and sir's happy with this as value for money yes Yes, I thought it was very good. I actually did the math, um, did the mathematics uh, of every six weeks. That's kind of the interim at which I think haircut would be optimal. Mm -hmm. um, we should probably do an episode on haircuts because I think that'd be interesting. Okay, but I'm, um, I'm just laying the groundwork now, TJ. <laughs> six weeks is kind of like, you know, lockdown really showed me that three months is suboptimal. That's a really bad amount of time between mm -hmm. haircuts. Um, so six weeks is probably like, oh, TJ looks... Well-kempt. Not unkempt, but well-kempt. Kempt. Uh, so if I get a haircut every six weeks at £16 plus £2 tip, £18 per session, that rounds out to be about £12 a month, £144 a year on meal grooming, which is, I appreciate, not a small amount of money, but it's also not a ridiculous amount of money. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm happy with that. If I, someone asked me to pay £12 a month subscription to get my haircut, I probably wouldn't say no. Now, as you know, TJ, we're all about the detail here. So how long mm -hmm. are you in the barber's chair? Well, this is the interesting thing. In the previous place near work, mm. it would have been 25 minutes would have been long. 20 minutes at a push. Okay, 20 minutes. In and out. Done. The new place was, my appointment was, oh, it was 12 o'clock. I walked in at 11.50 and immediately got seated. And <gasps> we started and I walked out at 12.38. Good Lord. So that's a, that's a good 45 minutes, couple of minutes to get in and out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it wasn't, wasn't like idle, like sitting around uh, having a bit of crack, as they say. 
it was all cutting time and he did a lot of technical things and I was actually very interested in watching this is cribbing from the haircut episode 140 whatever but it's it was interesting to watch the way they worked and what he was doing and, and what was happening there I know nothing about haircutting by the way but interesting nevertheless Mm. And uh, yeah, it didn't feel like it was contrived. It wasn't like a, oh, let's really stretch this out, make them think they got the money's worth. Like, I got a good haircut. I, I felt like it took an appropriate amount of time for the amount of hair that was cut, you know? So it it, it felt fine. That's not to say the previous one was, was bad because it was twice as fast. It was just a very different style. It was just more of a two back and sides and trim the top. Yep, yeah, there you go. Very good. I think that's a decent start. The um to to the, the hairdressing episode um so i we were, i won't go into into my journey uh my journey with barbers <laughs> um which is has been has has been an interesting one i think but we'll cover that in an episode i i'll give you my current mm. stats um from uh this is cyprus so you you can always park pretty close to your destination so for me i think we will do um Car door to car door. So closing the car door uh, to opening the car door. uh, Nine minutes. Well, that's close. That's good. Um, The the gentleman uh, speaks the 11 words of English that he needs. Uh, No more. Uh, (laughs) So there's a reasonable amount of sign language, but he's got the numbers sorted. Um, uh, Well, I assume he knows up up to about four. I don't think anybody ever goes in and asks for a number five, do they? So um, <laughs> it is the most efficient haircut that I could ever hope for. So I walk in, <laughs> I sit in the seat. He puts the, uh, the little thingy on me. Uh, we have that brief exchange of numbers with possibly a nod here and a nod there. Um, and out comes the little <laughs> trimming machine. Woof, woof, woof. He indicates, do you want me to do the same to the beard? I usually demur and get a little bit longer. So I get a two on the sides of the back of my hair, a three on the beard. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he does a little bit of scissor work on the top, combs it all back, rips the thing off me, uh, gives me the Cypriot equivalent of on your bike, sunshine. I go, how much is that, governor? He says, seven euros. Ooh, that's lovely. It's great, isn't it? It's absolutely fantastic. That's good. Um, and it, Margaret always looks at me as I come back. What happened? What do you mean? You said you said you were going out for a haircut, and I'll go look. Did he do it on the it's way been down? A Nineteen minute round trip. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a, it's about a twenty five minute drive if you take you know down and back. Um, and I'm back in thirty two minutes. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> Hmm. Well, there you go. Look out for Haircuts episode 139, maybe? Absolutely. Next uh, up. Well, indeed. Haircut me up. Um, and Oh, <laughs> the, the next bit of the show, your audiologist. Did you go? Did it happen? I did. I went this morning. It happened. Um, it was delayed. They, their machine was uh, being repaired, so it was delayed last time. Um, this was for earwax. Yeah. I'll not get gross because ear, earwax is gross. People don't want to hear about it. But um, suffice to say... It it's fine. It wasn't sorry. It's very loud because they're effectively putting a tiny vacuum cleaner in your ear, mm. so it sounds exactly like what it sounds. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really painful. It wasn't really 
And it was more just like unsettling because it's an unusual thing to happen. Sure. But uh, my ears feel better. My hearing is improved. Oh, excellent. Uh, the tinnitus that I had was was reduced. Uh, I don't think it's going to go away. But the sort of the more annoying one in my right ear that was very actually annoying and irritating is gone. Although I think it might have been stress and just because it went after the wedding as well. It went away as soon as we got married. So sure. either way, I think that was a... A successful thing, a little bit of self-care again, you know, just looking after uh, me and my ears. So, yeah, it, it was grand. It was through Specsavers, so it wasn't anything strange or startling. It wasn't sort of private medical care or anything. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so I can't complain. Uh, if anyone thinks that would be something that's useful for them, I, I guess go and do it. Certainly help me. We'll, we'll see tomorrow. If I wake up and can't hear tomorrow, then maybe it wasn't good. But <laughs> for now, I, I seem absolutely fine. It's a, it's another new experience. I, I fully expect this to be fully actuarized and an annual cost calculated probably by the next episode. Um, <laughs> well, it's a lifetime cost of this. I've got 29 years on one session, so that's pretty good uh, value for money. Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's a, you're right. That's a pretty good return. It's When people say to me uh, about the drinking thing, they're like, so, oh, you drink one year on and one year off? No. No, I drink for 35 years and then I take one off. <laughs> and what are you doing next year? That's... I don't know. Ask me next year. <laughs> well, you see, we're back into the next 35 year Absolutely. cycle. So, that's 35 year cycle, I'd imagine, but you never know. <laughs> All right. Well, there we are. Look, a, a scant one hour and 14 minutes after we began, we are <laughs> at today's topic, which I'm going to allow TJ to introduce largely because I always say, so, TJ, what are we talking about tonight? But also because I read the, oh, I suppose, eight lines of show note that, that TJ put in explaining this task. Uh, sorry, this, I've given it away, this topic. <laughs> and I'm still not 100% certain I know what he's going to talk about. TJ, think, yeah. what are we talking about? You got it. You kind of got the gist. Uh, the episode's called, as you can see, Taskmaster. Unless I changed it, in which case it's not. And that's a surprise. <laughs> And I've written in our show notes the trials and tribulations of one TJ Cosgrove idiot because I spent so much time trying to figure this out. And I'm sure someone's done it before, probably 2000 years ago. And it was very straightforward. And they were like, this is how people do things. And I'm like, well, what if we reinvent that by doing things? And I find myself two days ago, yesterday, the day before, trying to get really, really focused work done. And then instead of doing the work that I was trying to focus on, coming up with contrived ways of being focused on that work, which is, you know, there's a whole section of the of Waterstones dedicated to that kind of nonsense. But um, I was in the shower afterwards and I was thinking like, okay, I'm really talking about omnitasking and monotasking, which is like saying, you know, single tasking and multitasking, but in different, you know, <laughs> synonyms that sounds better. But it, I was considering how I do things and I was considering how I get very easily distracted when I'm working on something or doing something. And this has been sort of, I've noticed it more working from home because home holds more distractions. And so I think it's probably been thrown into clarity because I'm back in the office a few days and the office, I eat an awful lot less because I don't have time and there's not food available. I have to go to the shop. Um, and I'm more focused on on tasks that happen in my vicinity. So I'm doing something. I'm going somewhere. I've got to go up to this room. I've got to go and set that up. I've got to do this. So there's a lot of movement and there's a lot more action. And so there's a lot less time for nonsense. And there's a lot less time for, for ancillary filler tasks. And also like the washing isn't in my office. And 
the, the you know the the dryer isn't there you know the things sure. that you maybe do around the house aren't present and so i find like oh i was really really productive in work the other day why am i so lousy at being productive now I'm like ah because i'm at home and i do get a lot of work done at home i don't think I, I work poorly from home but it's a very different mindset and i was thinking like what am i doing differently and why and and one of the things i came across was this idea of, of being off task and and I almost need someone, I need a taskmaster, I need someone sitting on my shoulder going, no, stop it. Do the thing you said you were going to do. And then that can be another task later. But what you've done is half finish this task you said was important. Start another one in the middle. And then you'll come back to this one later, leaving the other task that you went off to do unfinished as well. Neither of them are successfully completed. And all you've done is waste time by being crap productively. Mm-hmm. And so it made me think of an article I read I can't remember where, but it's about a, a Japanese, I think it's on the Japanese railway lines and Chinese railway lines. It's an idea called Shisa Kanto. And that's me trying to pronounce it. I think that's all right. And it's kind of like intention signaling, like pointing and calling. And so a lot of what they will do, and again, this is just from sort of a, a brief digestion of this article. I may be getting elements of it wrong. Please read it for yourself if you're interested. The idea is that if you are piloting a train uh, and you know, obviously the lives of lots of people are in your hands. You have to be very aware of safety and timing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of cogs, both physically and uh, metaphorically being moved around. And you, the, the way they get around the sort of distractions and, and forgetting things is that they will physically point at the thing they're going to do and they say they're going to do it. It's like, I am changing this to point five. And I'm pointing. It's an audio medium, but assume I am pointing. I'm changing this to 0.5. And then you change it to 0.5. Mm-hmm. I am speeding up. Then you speed up. I am opening the doors. Then you open the doors. And that, that seems very, I don't know, childlike or, or simplistic or reductivist or something. But there's a certain amount of like, that actually works. Like, it doesn't leave any room for you to be like, I am putting the bins out, but also on the way I'm going to stop and just quickly wash the windows. And before I do that, I'm going to check the doorbell's charge. And like, no, 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 you're doing a thing. Do the thing. And it just, it struck me that me personally, I don't know about anybody else, but me personally, I could use a little bit more of this kind of taskmaster focus uh, because some days I feel like I'm doing 400 things and none of them gets a jackbox. Sure. I mean, I guarantee you that people who work at home on their own have been doing this for years <laughs> because I do. Um, if you're not talking to yourself when you're working, from home alone you're not doing it right As <laughs> i have entire conversations where i feel myself being distracted and i go no, no no hang on finish writing this post then <laughs> you can have a look just to see if that other apple watch band might work for you but only when you finish the post <laughs> get on with the post and sometimes of course i dis- i disguise this whole technique by pretending that i'm talking to the dog <laughs> and, and clearly the dog has no real input around productivity unless you say the word balls in which case she will uh, she she wants to come and play um but no it, it absolutely works and that's why you hear airline pilots reading checklists um, yeah, it's the nasa thing right it, it's yeah. guido it's 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 all these things capcom go all this stuff you're, you're reading down everyone's giving verbal confirmation that they're on task. Now, they're less likely probably to be distracted given that that's their job. Um, 
and they're in a, a room full of very focused people chain smoking while trying to land a, a lem on the surface of the moon. But it's a it's the same consideration. And I find myself trying to replicate elements of this or, or trying to bring elements in to keep me focused on task. Well, I, I mean, I think uh, stress makes it a whole lot worse. So that's why people in NASA mm. and, and airline pilots do it. Because I find that when I'm doing as you describe and going, yeah, I'll just do that on the way to that and I'll do this and I'll do that and leaving everything yeah. I've done. That's when I'm stressed. Not because I'm doing that, but because but I've become stressed for whatever reason. That's yeah. when my, my sort of monotasking, solo tasking just goes out of the window. And despite the fact that I know multitasking doesn't work, I still try and do it. <laughs> I think everybody does. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've I wrote I wrote darling, I wrote an article about it just just today that went out to to the members on my website. Um, that I catch myself doing it. I have to sort of. I've uh, the first the first um, time it ever happened to me was when I was trying to write the book, mm -hmm. and um, I got the first draft done after well, there's quite a lot of trepidation getting to there. But anyway, I'd written the first draft, and then I was doing everything to avoid editing it to the extent I bought a company and started selling notebooks. I mean, that was essentially an exercise in procrastination. That was astonishing. The lengths <laughs> that it goes. Um, I don't do that anymore. A, because I don't want any more companies and B, because it wasn't very effective anyway. But um, the, the stress makes it much, much worse. And one of the things I do now is is I meditate and try and get very intentional again. You know, I make an effort to say, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this. And when I've done that, okay, I'll go and play with the dog for five minutes as a reward. Or if it's really hot here, I'll go and, I'll go and take a swim, you know, whatever it might be. And I think it's a, it's a massive, massive life hack. I mean, put a trademark on the, on the episode, TJ. We can make millions here. <laughs> One of, one of the things um, in my efforts to turn every episode from, from this day forward to, to golf episodes, <laughs> I, I play golf with, with some people who, for, because of my sort of uh, false sense of confidence, they, they look at me and think he knows what he's doing. So they, they'll ask me for advice, which is, uh, honestly, asking me for advice is a really foolish thing to do. But they'll say, well, you know, what am I doing wrong here? And I don't know anything. Golf is a notoriously difficult game to coach. It's very, very technical. Uh, and all that people do, you know, people like me, all I'll do is talk about my fault and how I fix it, which is probably not your fault and probably the complete worst thing for you to do. Um, but you don't know any better. than you, you go off and adopt my fault and we all end up with the same faults on top of our original fault. <laughs> so you get to a stage where you think, okay, never coach anybody because you don't know. But the one thing that I do coach is exactly what you you're talking about there with shisha kanto i didn't know it was called shisha kanto but people think i'm nuts because i will walk up to a shop and i will say out loud what i'm going to do not because i'm trying to show off i mean i say it sort of under my breath to, to myself um, <laughs> hole in one <laughs> yeah that's never worked um but on more realistic targets um uh, you see, i see a lot of people putting which is the last bit of golf, yeah? For those not <laughs> golfers, it's, it's the bit when you're on the flat green bit and you're just trying to nudge the ball into the little hole. 
And I see a lot of shots where I look at it and I think the person who hit that shot didn't really know what they were trying to do. And you can see that they're, they're sort of <laughs> waving about a bit. They don't know whether it's to the left or to the right or up or down. And they're just sort of hoping. And, and that never works. What does work is you instinctively go, okay, this is going to go from the left to the right. So I'm going to aim three inches left. It's slightly uphill. So I'm going to hit this firmly. Firm, three inches left. Now, you might be completely wrong. It might be firm, five inches left, in which case it's not going to go in. But five times out of 10, you'll be right because your first instinct tends to be right on these things. And the fact that you committed mm -hmm. to playing the shot gave you a chance. And I watch other people who leave the ball sort of two foot short. And one thing in golf, if you don't get it as far as the hole, it never goes in. <laughs> if you knock it two yes. foot past the hole, occasionally, by the law of averages, it's going to have to drop in. So. Um, it, I, I think this is a real truth. I think this has just become the new PGA champion <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's it, uh, people look at me and they go, "You're such a good putter," and I go, "No, I'm not." But I, I decide what I'm going to do, and then I try and do it, and that gives me much more chance than people who haven't decided what they're trying to do and then try and do it. <laughs> I thought the ball would decide for me. I'm just letting him free ball. <laughs> Honestly, if you watch, if you watch carefully, not um, professionals clearly have this mostly sorted out, but if you watch amateur golfers and you look at them, you think he had no idea where that was going to go. He, didn't. <laughs> he was just, he just sort of waved contact. At it. Yeah. He waved contact at it and the hope it would the go in the right direction. <laughs> and, I, I do find it in work as well, um, because I have all sorts of distractions, obviously, I mean, we all do. Um, and I'm finding that I need to, I've started using, you know, productivity apps and stuff like that to try and get myself back on track. Uh, yeah. But largely it's about, as you say, saying, okay, I am going to do this thing. And for me, because I'm a fairly sort of facile, greedy person, it's like, okay, do this thing and then you will have a reward, whatever that reward might be, going out with dog. And it kind of works if you, yeah. if you get on the right track and say, okay, today I'm going to write this, do that, do this, do that. And then if I've got time, I'm going to do these other things that might be more yeah. interesting. It's amazing how fast you get through those, those three important things. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that thing. Okay. We'll do these things you need to do first. Okay. Yeah. Swallow it's like the, dealing swallow with the a really teenager of yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's it's being self-aware enough, I think, to say, yeah, okay, if I open the internet here and look at the Apple Watch in any form, then one hour from now, gone. I will know exactly <laughs> which band I don't want. And it, it, yeah. I mean, it, I did spend, like, the last two days, I would have spent two hours looking at the Apple.com website to come to the conclusion that I really don't need to buy an Apple Watch. Which, it's probably not what they wanted. It's probably not what their marketing was for. <laughs> well, funny enough, the thing is, I knew that before I started, but I still had to go down that journey. You need, to, you need to walk up to your iPad, point it, and go, I'm going to find an Apple Watch strap. <laughs> well, the, you know, my, my iPad would just look at me and go, well, you don't know what to do with me yet. <laughs> I tried a bunch of stuff, right? I tried a bunch of things to try and corral this and try and make productive inroads into this, this thought process. One of them which I actually quite like, and I don't think this is the perfect sort of 
form of this, but it is an interesting sort of test bed. Was I'm on 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 the Mac. Uh, I opened up Stickies and mm-hmm. I made a white translucent sticky. It is the full width of the bottom of the the MacBook. Okay. So just above the menu bar, um, all the way across. Actually, it's sort of in line with the menu bar. So imagine the the, the by the menu bar you mean the, the dock, the app tray, the dock. Yeah, dock. that same width as that, just above it. Menu bar is the thing at the top. <laughs> right. Yes, of course. Sorry. Bad man. I am not Bad an Apple back fan. To Apple as... <laughs> back, back to Apple School. Back to Apple School. Above the dock, translucent white sticky. So it's as sort of ethereal as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's on top. So there's a whatever little button you press so that it, it stays on top of all the other things. And in it, in all caps, bold Futura, I just wrote Taskmaster. And then every time I was doing a task, I would write what that task was. Okay. If that is research Apple Watch. I wrote that in there and then went about the rest of my work. But there was a big, huge visual reminder. This is what you are doing right now. Mm-hmm. And every time I find myself nipping off to check this or just quickly looking at that, this was in my periphery and went, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing now. We can do that thing. Absolutely. Scribble a note. But we're not doing it now. And it, it oddly helped. In a little bit, and I don't know whether that was me because I'm consciously trying to make it work. I don't know the longevity of this as a solution, but it did kind of help on some tasks where I have a proclivity to wander. This did keep me a little bit closer to to task. And it only works on the MacBook screen, right? It's not going to work in real life. I don't have sticky notes stuck on my my face telling me I should do this. So it's, it's a very narrow solution. But I was like, okay, this isn't, perfect there's things i don't like about it but it is an option and i paired that with uh the countdown timer and the stopwatch on my ipad so imagine me sitting at my desk and i have the macbook in front of me and i have my ipad on my left and on the ipad i opened up the the clock app i opened up the the countdown timer and that's important because i want to also be deliberate about how much time things are taking sure and so i opened up my pocket notebook and i wrote let's say I think of a task. Write this, write up the these meeting notes. Mm-hmm. And then I put a line down in the column. Next column over, expected time, 30 minutes. Line down, next column, actual time, leave it blank. So I go, right, 30 minutes. Count on timer, set that to 30 minutes. Type on my little translucent sticky, writing up meeting notes. I hit the count on typer, timer, and I go. And I am now working on that task. It's a Pomodoro. It's not, I've, not, I've reinvented the wheel and made it circular. You know, it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm working away, working away, working away. And I think, right, okay, this is good. I'm focusing and, and distractions come up because they will. And I make a note, write them down, deal with that later. Things come up, don't care, not my problem. Working away, working away. And then I finish. I go, okay, perfect. Meeting notes, finished, full stop. Look down at the timer. Ah, oh, we've got 12 minutes left. Stop that. 18 minutes in the timer in my actual time. Okay, what's next? Move on. See him again, see him again, see him again. I needed about six or seven items like this just to see if it worked. And eh, mixed results. So it was useful for keeping me on task. And I think generally speaking, I've got a good handle on how long most things will take. So there was a lot of items where I'm like 15 minutes or less. And it takes 12 and a half minutes. And well, yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on track. And then there was another one which was like a research base. I need to look into how much this would be and what I want to do with it. And it was like 30, 30 minutes. It was a complete spitball. 
and ended up an hour and 15 minutes later, I was like, nah, I'm going to call this one is not quite accurate. Mm. Um, so there's, I'm trying to pair different ideas, things that people have already done, but I'm just trying to see how my brain works because what I find specifically that was the most frustrating is like if I'm doing something not at the desk. So if I'm up and about or I know I've got to do a thing and then go off and do another thing. So maybe sitting on the laptop and I've got a meeting in 45 minutes. So I have a hard exit. I got right 45 minutes. That's long enough to do task A. Okay, let's do task A and I'll start. I'll do a good chunk of task A. And then I'll be like, right, I'm just going to get up. Just stretch my legs for two minutes. That's all I need. And I'll walk in to one of the rooms and I'll go, that windowsill is really grubby. That needs wipe. Where's the... And I'll disappear downstairs and get a cloth and come back up and wipe the windowsill and then go, well, it's silly to do just one window. What, what's the... What, these windowsills are good. Right. 40 minutes later, after I've cleaned the windowsills and looked out the windows and had to think about cleaning the gutters, come back and go, oh, oh, task A. Oh, I need to, oh, my meeting's starting. Right, uh, okay, task I can, that can be later. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I've done a bunch of stuff that, that needed done. Like there was no, if you're looking at it as a, are you spending your time productively? It'd be a tick. Yep. Are you spending your time productively on tasks that are more important now than they are later? Huge X, this is wrong. <laughs> you couldn't do this worse. You're, you're sort of front-loading tasks that have no time limit mm-hmm. or have no deadline. You're ignoring tasks that have a deadline and you're just not managing your time in any kind of meaningful, consistent way. And that's frustrating from someone who likes to try and be productive because it's it's a behavior that I've just normalized because I'm like, well, I'm up and I'm going to do this. And, go. and because it seems like it's a short task that won't take a lot of time and then it snowballs and then I end up doing the wrong thing or something different for 20 minutes before I get back to what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, and the, I mean, the way... That uh, the the productivity racket sort of recommends dealing with this is one plan it. So uh, I'm using at the moment I'm uh, I'm down a rabbit hole. Thanks, Justin, <laughs> of uh, OmniFocus. So um, <laughs> yeah, Om- OmniFocus is a to do uh, app. It's a task manager, but it's it's the one with the steepest learning curve. It's huge. Uh, it's very very powerful. Um, and like many of these systems, uh, it relies upon you doing everything through. And so your, your issue there would be that when you're doing your, getting your omni-focus going, you throw everything into your task manager, you spend a little bit of time moving things within the task manager, different projects and areas and contexts and perspectives. You can do all sorts of funky stuff. And it's essentially it's it's the get things done methodology of, of uh, David Allen, and the way you would get around your windowsill distraction is the windowsills will need doing. They do need doing. They always need doing at some point. You must therefore account for them. Yeah. And if that's in your someday maybe list, or you know, end of the week, or you know, Friday afternoon is windowsill afternoon, or you know, however you want to do it, you park <laughs> it in there. And give yourself permission to play with your windowsill, <laughs> um, but also assign yourself the time to say that's when that is going to get done. So, yes, if you're looking at it on a Thursday, you're not doing it right. And it's you know, whether you're talking about the um, the Shisa Kanto system of saying it out loud, or the 
dare I say it, Shisakanto system of having a task manager and looking at it in the morning and go, here are all the things that need doing. Those things have yeah. been assigned to here. Those have been assigned to then. Those have been, right, so I'm going to do these and applying a tag or whatever it is that you do. Yeah. Um, it, it's that process. It's that workflow of saying, these are the things that I'm going to get done. Should I have excess time? These are the things that I will then fill with that time. Yeah. An overflow list. Yeah. Um, and some people, <laughs> some people will tell you that you should have a list called overflow for exactly that, because that's how your mind works. You've just demonstrated how. Yeah. So, you know, play to it. Um, the, the other thing that I think sometimes gets overlooked is that we've got this huge um, ability to get down on ourselves. Yeah. And we're, we're fighting these um, weird concepts. There's this um, sort of commonly held belief that's reinforced by capitalist employers that you should be productive for eight hours a day as a minimum. <laughs> I, mean, I think if you're in the States, yeah. if you're doing anything less than 14 hours, you're not really trying. But um, <laughs> in, in lazy, unproductive Europe, then I, I think eight hours is kind of considered the, the minimum. Uh, more in certain fields and it's utter nonsense i mean i've been in this racket for a long time as a, as a consultant looking at different businesses the way that nobody and i mean nobody none of you listening no, i don't believe you go away i do not believe you you are not productive for eight hours a day you're not because <laughs> you're not built like that you might be busy I'm sure there are people that, who listen to this podcast who are busy for 14 hours a day, 16 hours a day. Um, you, think of, you think of people who juggle bringing up children and work for a start, you know, running a house, yeah. all of those things together. But there is nobody who is productive for eight hours a day because you can't be. When you're being really productive and creative and doing your best work, if you bang out three hours of that a day, you will soon be running a massive company. I honestly believe that's true because if I look at 90% of the people I look at, maybe, maybe get as far as an hour a day of really productive work because it's hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And we've got this sort of false expectation and then we all get down on ourselves. Oh, I'm so unproductive. Um, my, um, okay, I'm using a weird sort of hybrid to me hybrid system who would have thought it of um <laughs> of electronics and paper but yeah i now for key outcomes in a day now i have three no more than three um and again you can get into all the the productivity stuff here you know priorities should be a single word you can't have priorities it's impossible you have a priority everything else is not the priority <laughs> That's how the word it's works. It's a binary state. <laughs> so so, um, so even having three, I am stretching it. But I have three things. I say, if I get those three things done, this has been a successful day. And I, this morning, by 9.45, I had my successful day. Boom, I've done it. I've done those three things. I'd, I'd also had a swim. I was on fire this morning. And don't get me wrong. gravy. I had, well, I had... Uh, loads of stuff that then came up um which had to be done but i wouldn't say it was productive um uh what was i doing 
I was trying to explain to a Cypriot regulator, get this, that there's no such thing in the United Kingdom as a no bankruptcy statement. So this is obviously a, a local thing. He wanted me to get from the government a statement saying that I wasn't bankrupt. Now, for a start, that's proving a negative. But anyway, I said, well, <laughs> there isn't such a thing. Oh, well, you need one. Well, I can't get one. Oh, well, you need one. But look, this conversation is getting a little bit circular. We're, we're going to have to find a way around. I will happily procure you this thing. I'll get my friend TJ to design a little logo, print something out, sign it for you, and I'll give it to you. But it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's made up. Who's this TJ again? Oh, no, honestly. And the whole conversation was going round. It was on email. It was going round and round and round and round and round. That's not productive, but it's the sort of nonsense that we have to deal with. And mm. in, in any job, whatever you do, there's a lot of that that goes on. I mean, I think I may have mentioned before things like meetings. What a waste of time there. <laughs> and particularly if you find that, that you're... you're not getting as much done as you think you should be. Yes, do what you're doing and look at the amount of time you're spending and you know where that time is going and how good you are at being committed and being focused on something. Uh, but also, just check your expectations a little bit and go, hang on. <laughs> Realistically, yeah. what do I need to happen? Because if, if you can get three good things to happen in a day, three significant outcomes, key outcomes in a day, that's 15 in a working week. And if you're really honest, you will struggle to find many working weeks where you've achieved 15 really good things. Because, you know, set, yeah. setting up a meeting with Dave doesn't count as a really good thing. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but that was my life's ambition. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose it depends on who Dave is. But you know what I mean? It, it needs to be something significant and real. And that's how you make sure you're working on, on the right things. And that's yeah. why things like OmniFocus and stuff are so dangerous, because it's so easy to to build a list that says meditate, swim. You're optimizing the wrong Breakfast. <laughs> breathe, breathe. Only, only breathe. two coffees. <laughs> Recurring task every 15 seconds. Inhale. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you, you get into the, you know, the whole box ticking. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that if, if you've got the same issue that, that you're talking about of you know, incessant cleaning of windowsill or, and or any other surface <laughs> that you park. Um, it's good to then put them in a box somewhere and say, I'm going to deal with them there. But it's yeah. also very easy to get yourself really, really busy. And, you know, these poor people who are furiously busy for 10 days and go home exhausted and stressed, but they've achieved nothing. Yeah. Just try and achieve. I everything. think it's a combination of that, that being hyper aware of not being in air quotes productive, but then having a complete, complete misapprehension about what productive means. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't set those three key outcomes. I, I know I have a list of things that I want to achieve and the things that I'm working towards. And I know nominally what things are on my radar. So I would say radar is, is like the working week for me. What needs to be done this working week? Sure. And I will be aware and cognizant of those things, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I am right. Key landmark part of this task complete today. It's more of like a X needs done. I'm working on X. That's good. And I think that's an interesting thing that if I'm not considering 
what I'm trying to do and what success looks like, then me being very productive means nothing. I can be super productive in the wrong thing. Uh, it doesn't help me anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we could go, I, I could go on for hours about this and what I frequently do. But <laughs> um, I'll give you an example. This is a real example. Um, because of uh, COVID and, and the lockdowns, I have to devise a new way of uh, delivering some training and some stress testing to my clients. Okay, so mm -hmm. normally what I do is I jump on a plane, I go around, I, I look at their policies and procedures and kick the tires. Kick the tires. Um, I can't do that now because I'm remote. Uh, what I can do is I can request certain pieces of paper and information. I can deep, oh, hang on, maybe I can do that. So a little bit of thought, all right. The training, I've spoken before about screencasting, and, you know, making lots of people do that, like falling off a log. For me, it's a bit of a learning curve, but hey, I'll get there. Oh, so I can do this. All right, so I've had now rolling in my task list that I need to get some of the base presentation done, and I need to get the sort of framework paperwork done for the audits, and oh, I've just not really been getting to it, and oh, no, oh, oh look, that window saw me today. And then as I've sort of tried to pull myself back and said, okay, let's just focus on how to make this work, you know, what, what, what success looks like, what the key outcomes are, right? I'll tell you what, I'll ask the clients, <laughs> see, see what it is that they need. That, that might be a good starting point. And that's a double win because uh, particularly in these times, contact is important. It's good from a human point of view, let alone a business point. And so I got in touch with, uh, let's say, three, three clients. The earliest that one is going to allow me to do anything is October. The other two would really like to push it to next year, but yeah, they kind of need to do it this year because otherwise, yeah, yeah okay, well, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of hinting at me that December 31st would be their ideal. <laughs> what is legally still 2020? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where they are. And, you know, for all sorts of very, very good reasons. And I then come away having made, I suppose, you know, three 10, 15 minute conversations completely changing how the fourth quarter of my year looks. <laughs> You're like, oh, ah, right. Time. Okay. Hmm. And so then I start parking those in, into places and I've, I've, I've still not done the work, <laughs> but I feel really comfortable and confident that on that Wednesday, the morning is dedicated to doing that particular thing, which feeds onto that anchor. And I will yeah. do it because it's in there. It's planned. And, I will now sort of open the, the plan and go, oh, I've got to do that. All right, okay, fine, I'll do that. That's my little translucent sticky. If you like. And yeah. it, that all came from sitting there going, oh, hang on, <laughs> stop, stop, before, you know, go off and design something, which is then, you know, got the completely wrong dates and the wrong examples and all that stuff. It's um, the reason that people make so much hay out of this sort of, uh, I keep calling it the productivity racket, is that it is, so, um, it is so important. And it is so easy to get wrong. Yeah. Because I think we ignore the, the, the one side of the equation. We all look at how, how we should be more productive. We don't look at whether we are actually already pretty productive. Yeah. I think maybe it's a case of humans are 
hardwired not to be productive. I mean, we, you know, we're very responsive to environment, to other people, to everything else. And responsive is the opposite of productive in a lot of ways. You know, being responsive to the environment is not being productive and proactive. It's the opposite. And so sometimes our, our lizard brains somewhere in the background are like, what if we just sat down and waited and like just did stuff in the meantime? And like, oh, okay. And then the sort of more developed bit at the front of your brain where you're going, oh, hold on. Maybe I need to do that before it needs to be done. And yeah. those two parts of your brain are, are, are warring factions of like, well, what, what needs to be done and what should we do and what can we leave until the last possible minute? Yeah. Oh, the, usual, the usual examples that people use here is they talk about, you know, we were hunter-gatherers uh, out on the steps. And you're aware of all distraction because you had to be because that distraction might yeah. kill you. Mm. And that's why we all got the attention span of goldfish. I mean, I think it's utter nonsense, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there, there are people that have got all sorts of letters after their name who've done the research and say that this is true. And, you know, perhaps there is something to it. Um, and we are, you know, hardwired to be always aware of the next thing, always aware of what yeah. could happen, of what might happen, which can be the, the enemy of, you know, what do they call it, deep work, Cal Newport. But I even think it, it may be more, and I feel restrained towards a two-hour episode, but not necessarily in the general human terms, but I know myself that I tend to do things sometimes that are fighting against the groove. So I'm like, I tend to do this. I want to do the opposite. Let's find out a way to do the opposite of what I tend to do. Yeah. Whereas something you identified earlier was like, okay, well, if that's the way you think about that, why not frame it like that? Oh, well, that would be a lot easier. <laughs> you just... Instead of constantly putting yourself down, constantly trying to, to reframe or refactor what you have, just be like, okay, this is what I do. How can I make that productive? How can I make that the productive version of what I want? Or how can I make that more useful? Then how can I change everything I do to yeah. be this? Absolutely. I mean, look, you've got to be astonished, TJ. But I could bring it back to golf again. Um. <laughs> I, one of the reasons I'm, I'm sort of shifting about is that uh, traditionally people like to play golf in the morning. So here at Cyprus, mostly British retirees, lots of other Europeans too, but uh, retirees uh, either because they've reached retirement age or because they retired young and they want to play golf in the morning, have some nice lunch, spend the afternoon in the pool, chilling out, whatever, maybe take a nap. I can play golf in the morning and then do nothing all day. I am fit <laughs> for nothing. Where, wherever my creativity lives, it takes the afternoon off. I, I've got no idea where it goes, but it's just... Into the little white balls that you then hit very far away. It, yeah, it's just not interested in anything in the <laughs> afternoon. However, if I work in the morning with the prospect of, and at two o'clock I'm going to go and hit all little white ball a i find it really easy to focus because i've got this big fat reward at the end of the day and i'm going yeah if i just crack on and get this done and this i'm going to go and do that fantastic and b the energy which ostensibly must be the same it must be the same expenditure of energy <laughs> um, thermodynamics features somewhere here you can't you can't invent this energy exactly and it works perfectly and that's just me turning around to myself and go if i want to uh, you know write for the book or write a blog post or 
or manage something effectively, I need to do it in the morning. In the afternoon, yeah, okay, all right, I can move some bits of paper around, I can do admin tasks, but <laughs> anything that requires uh, any sort of energy and thought and um, momentum needs to be done in the morning. And I just have to, I'm just leaning into that. And so I'm, I'm paying, yeah. paying less to be a, a member of a golf club because I'm having an afternoon membership. I can't play in the morning. There you go. I've, I've taken that decision away by being brave once. I now can't play in the morning. So there we go. Easy. No problem. And I think that's, that's a really simple way of, of getting the best out of yourself. If you know that your most creative or, you know, your best ideas come in the evening, find a way of working in the evening. Yeah. Not every day might not be possible, but you know what I mean? F find a way. And the other, one last life hack before I, you know, take off my consultant hat. One of the best ways to uh, work out how to, to manage yourself is to think how you would manage someone else. So mm. if you had someone else who was going to do these things for you, your personal assistant, your virtual assistant, whatever you want to call them, how would you get them to do them? And how would you ask them to do them? There are five things. Which ones do you want done? First, how do you want them approach? Which ones are the most important? How would you explain to that person the priority list and the, the required outcomes? And then if you want to get all the shisha canto about it, brief that person. Talk to them and say, okay, yeah. what I want you to do is this, 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 and that, and that's the most important. And look, if that one doesn't get done till tomorrow, we'll all live. But if this one doesn't get done, then the boss is going to be all over us. So we've got to get this one done. And then sit back and go, right, I've been briefed. Do it. <laughs> Marching orders. Yeah, because oh, unless you're some sort of sociopath, you're probably not going to just sit there and bark at the person and say, get all this done. Do not move. Do not get up from your desk until it's done. <laughs> You're probably not going to say that. You're probably going to be human and you're probably going to be um, kind and try and find a way that works for everyone. That's your natural, that is, I believe, our natural sort of default. Mm -hmm. We're much kinder to others than we are to ourselves, generally. Not always, <laughs> but generally. So <laughs> I, I find that useful. I say, okay, all right, if I was getting someone else to do this, how would I ask them to do it? What would I focus on and very often that will make a list of 10 you'll go do you know what get one and two done and then come back and talk to me about the other we'll work out yeah where to go after them. and you you create your own priorities hmm. it's easy it's a doddle <laughs> sorted <laughs> <laughs> oh, i wish anyway before we actually hit two hours i've been Stu lennon and i've been tj Cosgrove. Remember to make the past the present in the future. This was 1857.